So, you know what I learned this week? What'd you learn? Yellow jackets will kill me. Hmm. Yeah, pretty I got, much. I got stung a lot. First time I've ever been stung by yellow jackets, and I almost died. Now you've been stung like 50, 11 times. Like 18, 14, 18, somewhere along there. That's 50, 11. Close enough. So, what's new in your world? Um, nothing. Okay, well, <laughs> I guess at this point we will uh, move on. This podcast may not be suitable for children. If you are easily offended or bothered by strong language or dark humor, this may not be the podcast for you. This podcast accepts no responsibility for butthurt feelings or erections lasting longer than four hours. Thank you. And good evening, and welcome to What the <laughs> Was That Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne. And I'm <laughs> Jill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so sorry, so sorry. <laughs> I it's, bet it won't even show up much, and just be me snorting like a hog. Oh, no, the the meter definitely caught it, so yeah. <laughs> that was my bad, guys. Welcome to What the <laughs> Was That. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> It happens, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so you almost died this week. I did. I did. Um, for no apparent reason. I, ha- I had to get my kid COVID tested for no apparent reason. Oh No, there was a reason. Yeah, he didn't want to eat fruit. He played the, the, <laughs> the teacher. <laughs> my autistic child decided to tell his teacher that he was sick because he didn't want to eat fruit. And he got upset and started crying and coughing. So they said that was COVID symptoms. So I had to keep him out of school for two days. And then I got attacked by yellow jackets as I was walking. You shouldn't do that. It's no, bad for apparently you. Apparently not. Yeah. Uh, yellow those, jackets don't like it when you walk. Those little sons of bitches attacked me from behind and stabbed me, shanked me like I was in fucking prison. Jeez. Again. You can't trust a yellow jacket. Who can you trust? Oh, well, you don't trust them little <laughs> sons of bitches. You set them on fire. Lots of times. Yes. Because they already set some of them on fire. Yeah. They were seeking revenge for their mates. I will buy a flamethrower. I know you would. I'm not even going to say, no, you wouldn't. Yeah, you would. Yes, yes I would. Yeah. And you'll just tote it around in your disc golf bag, too. And That's it. I'll, I will. Flamethrow the shit out of everything. Yep. So, other than that, I think um, I haven't got a whole lot going on. We did no ghost tours this week. No. We enjoyed our Memorial Day. Labor Day. Labor Day. One of them days. <laughs> Um, Nikki's birthday. Nikki's birthday. We officially have no children younger than 14. Yep, we have all teenagers close enough to adulthood so they can survive on their own if they need to because I might kick them all out now. None of mine will survive on their own. You're absolutely right. (laughs) They're learning better about like doing laundry and food and stuff. They're starting to do it. okay. (laughs) So... So what are we talking about tonight? Um, murders. Murder. Don't do it. Don't. Uh, I will mute you. <laughs> uh, Y'all know what I was going to do. Uh, yeah. 
Just gonna, pretend I did it. We're going to start off over in uh, Germany. Germany. Is this a pre-World War II one? I don't know when wars are. Okay. Fuck. It was in 1922. Hey, have you seen the movie in 1922? No. It is a trip. Good movie, though. What was it about? It was about a man who killed his wife, and he had a guilty conscience, and he threw her in the well. Mm -hmm. And since his conscience bothered him because he was apparently haunted by her, he led the cow into the well to make sure she stayed down there. Oh. Yeah. Kind of sounds like the raven. Nevermore. Yeah. So. That's not what we're talking about. It is absolutely not. I have no idea if it was before or after a war because I suck at history. All right. I am talking about the Hinterkaifeck murders. Also, I have no idea if I'm saying that right. So that's what I'm calling them. This happened on March 31st, 1922. At a small Bavarian farm, 43 miles north of Munich, Germany. So, our victims, we have 63-year-old Mr. Andreas Gruber. His 72-year-old wife, Katzelia Gruber. Just call her Mrs. (laughs) Their widowed daughter, Victoria Gabriel, age 35. Her children, I can't call her Mrs. She named her daughter Katzelia after her mama. She's seven. And her son Joseph, who is two. And then their maid, Maria Baumgartner, who was 44. So just kind of leading up to this, about six months before the murders, the family maid that they had quit. Just left and left. Well, she had heard sounds in the attic and thought the house was haunted. Andreas Gruber, that's Mr. Gruber, found a strange newspaper from Munich on the property earlier in the month that the murders occurred. He didn't buy the newspaper, and nobody in the area subscribed. So it wasn't like the mail lady dropped it on so, her route or so anything. So the wind yeah. couldn't have blown it? No, none of the neighbors subscribed to it. The wind actually comes from everywhere, not just the neighbor's house. It was a newspaper from Munich, which was 43 miles away. It may have been a strong wind. Well, anyways. I win. A few days before the murders, Andreas Gruber told his neighbors about finding tracks in the fresh snow that went from the forest to a door with a broken lock in the farm's machine room. There were no tracks leading away from the home. Was that the wind, too? No, that was probably a man. <laughs> Around that time, some of the family's house keys went missing as well. That was the wind, too. Nope, I'm going to go with a man <laughs> on that one as well. The family repeatedly saw a man with a mustache what? at the edge of the forest staring at them. Crazy. Yeah. A man? A man. Mm-hmm. Named Wind. <laughs> We will call him Wind for yes. now. Yes. As far as I know, he has no name. He is Moustache Man. The victims were killed with a mattock, which is a hand tool used in farming or in digging for crystals. It has a long handle, mm-hmm. a 
wide head with a chisel on one end and a blade on the other. So it's 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 kind of like a pickaxe. Yeah, it's got the pick the sharp pointy side on on one end of it, and you turn it over and it has a wider blade, kind of like um, a different shaped hoe. Who you calling a hoe? Dirty hoe. <laughs> um, but, it, that you can like take chunks of dirt and stuff. Yeah, and, it makes dirt work easy. Yeah. So, um, the maid was murdered in her bedroom. Two-year-old Joseph was killed in his crib in his mother's room. And the rest of the family was murdered in the barn. So, investigators determined that the killer must have lured the other family members to the barn one at a time and killed them with the Maddox. So, like, somehow getting them to come out and probably like a horror movie. You know, yeah. like, what was that noise? I'm going to go check. Oh, where did your dad go? I'm going to go check. <laughs> right. <laughs> After murdering the family, the killer stacked the bodies on top of each other and covered them with hay. That's weird. Yeah. So this next little fact's pretty disturbing. Just, so just be warned extra. Seven-year-old Kotzelia had clumps of hair in her hands and bald patches all over her head. This means she most likely didn't die right away, so she may have torn her own hair out due to fear as she lay dying surrounded by the dead bodies of her mother and grandparents. The family wasn't discovered for four days, which I kind of thought at first, like, well, I mean, this is 1922. I mean, right? people didn't just go visiting and stuff, so... No, but people did... Notice change in routine. Right. Well, and the neighbors continued to see smoke coming out of the chimney, indicating that someone was still using the fireplace. Okay. The farm animals and livestock were fed, and someone even milked the cows. All right. Food in the home had also been eaten. So, it to the outside world, it seems that... The farm's just a-running. Right. Which means someone was running it. Probably at night, though. People became concerned when young Kotzelia missed school on Monday, and the postman noticed that they didn't pick up their mail. So, like, they had stuff in there from Friday that he had left, and then it was still there on Monday, and she was missing from school. Right. Three neighbors went to the farm to check and see what was going on and discovered the bodies. More than 100 suspects were questioned about their involvement. So, they questioned all these people. They didn't ever figure out who did it. A hundred people. Mm-hmm. Were questioned. So, basically, they questioned, like, everybody that ever had anything to do with the farm and the family, I think. Right. It had to be that. Yeah. So, but there's some extra factors that come into play that make this kind of interesting. Okay. Enlighten us, please. Seven years before the murders, Andreas, that's Mr., and Victoria, that's his daughter, were convicted of incest. Gross. She served one month in jail, and he went to jail for a year. So that was seven years before. Her daughter's seven, and she has a two-year-old son. Mm. Many people believed that Joseph's, that's the two-year-old, that Joseph's father was the child of a neighbor named Lorenz Schlittenbauer. They got some fun names, don't they? They sound very German. (laughs) 
Farfic Nugan and Volkswagen. Yeah. Audi. Strudel. It is. <laughs> That's the extent of her German knowledge, y'all. No, I was going to say that, but now I was afraid <laughs> she'd tell me where the library was. I don't know that in German. I know that in Spanish. Whatever. So let's drive on. So some neighbors believed that Grandpa was Joseph's father. Yeah. We kind of just deducted that one yeah. ourselves with seven years ago and seven year old. Yeah. Well, that was the girl. This is the boy we're talking about. Oh. So I think she was married and had the girl. And then she was widowed. So I guess after she was widowed, her and her dad started bumping uglies or I don't know. Did she not have the girl before she was widowed? We don't know how long she had been no, widowed. No, we don't. So we can't make so that the, assumption. the girl could have also been grandpa's kid. I mean, don't know, don't know. Yeah, we don't know that the kids were grandpa's. Period. Right. Didn't actually say. We're just putting two and twos together. Well, it did say that the neighbors thought that Joseph might be it's grandpa's hearsay, kid. Though. Right. That's what I'm saying. We don't know for sure. Correct. They didn't have paternity testing back then. Just say I'm right. <laughs> you didn't say it. How much of this research did you do? Enough to know that I was right. <laughs> you were right. There was no paternity testing. Thank you. The autopsies also weren't performed like they are now. They were performed in the barn. They just, oh, look, here's bodies. Let's autopsy them. And afterwards, their heads were removed and sent to Munich for further examination. Why? I have no idea. Why, why would you send their heads for examination? I don't know. Were they stabbed in their heads? I don't know. That makes no sense. They cut off their heads and sent them to Munich. That's crazy. Germans. Here's another fun part. Um, allegedly, their skulls were also, were once they made it to Munich, were given to clairvoyance to try to gain further information about the murderer. Here, hold this head in your hand and tell me what you think. Oh, you know what? That was pretty smart. Also a little creepy. A little creepy, yes. But... Here's the really disturbing part. The skulls were kept in Munich, so they were all buried without their heads. Wow. And then the skulls went missing dur- during World War II. So this happened before World War II. There you go. <laughs> or during it. I don't so, know. I wonder what happened to the skulls. I don't know. Were they just lost due to battle? Probably. Or probably ended up discarded in something or right. burnt. I don't know. Maybe sold for movie props. Yeah, or maybe whoever had them buried them. Possibly. No telling. Yeah. It didn't say. They disappeared. No one was ever arrested for this. Some thought the murderer was Lorenz Schlittenbauer, the neighbor who was allegedly Joseph's father. Others think that the murderer... Oh, here's a good twist for you. You ready? Love a plot twist. Others think the murderer was Carl Gabriel, Victoria's husband. Dun, dun, dun. But I thought he was dead. He was reported to have been killed in action in 1914 during World War I. However, some think he didn't die in combat and that when he returned and realized Victoria had been with another man, resulting in Joseph, that he murdered all six of them in a fit of rage. Uh, you know what? I don't. I don't buy that either because that's seven years. It's very soap opera. Of being disappeared, 
and then showing up and getting mad because she moved on. But you know, this happened in 1922. 1922. In... 14. Yeah, that's eight years. Eight years. I'm sorry. And I she it. had a seven-year-old. Huh. <laughs> I think they were both grandpa daddies. Whatever. Yeah. Um, in 1999, an elderly woman contacted the police. 1999. So, 1922. Fast forward. 1999. An el- elderly woman contacted police stating that her former landlord admitted to having information about the murders. They investigated and learned that the landlord made his claim in 1935. So, she held on to it for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> a minute. The potential suspect was no longer alive in 1999. What information did she give? It didn't say. In 2007, students at a German police academy used modern techniques to investigate. So they, I guess it's like a practice crime, Uh investigated this. They ruled out all but one suspect that they believe committed the murders. But the suspected killer is dead, so they didn't publicly release the name of the person out of respect for their living relatives. Could, did they have actual evidence saying that, proving that he did it? I think, I think they took all the case files and all of the information that was there did and the con- interviews. And Did they conduct interviews? Everyone was dead. Well, you know what? I think they just went through the old stuff and using their new technology and information and crime scene investigating skills would never hold up in court well it didn't matter because they was dead okay um and w- <sighs> yeah <laughs> is this the one where they thought he lived in the attic yeah that's within it was within a couple it's six months the maid had quit and they had seen the footprints in the snow. Right. And she heard stuff upstairs. House keys went missing. Right. So they think somebody, and then they continued to live on the farm for four days. So they think someone was actually living in the attic. And watching. And watching the family, and but don't know who, don't know why. Could be that it was just some homeless person that was staying up there that wanted a place to live. And somebody unrelated came in and murdered everybody and ruined it for him. Could be. I mean, because if he was living up there for six months, why would he all of a sudden just kill everyone? Um, a way out, maybe? Well, I think he went in and out. Well, after they were dead. I mean, he got a newspaper. That's true. I don't know. That's he had a set of keys. Correct. So, I don't know. I think... I think it would be the most likely suspect that it would be the person that's shacking up in their attic but could be unrelated could be just circumstance what are you staring at so intently um I can't tell if it's my eyes are twitching or if the screen is twitching I think your eyes are twitching oh nope I saw it okay it's the screen I'm good then (laughs) Dwayne is not going blind right now Everybody. Tell you what, the <laughs> yellow jackets got me good. Yeah, he had like a toxic reaction. It was yeah. fun. 
It, it was very interesting. Stubborn ass wouldn't go to the emergency room either. So. So you want to talk about our next group of folks? Yes, I would love to talk about our next group of folks. As soon as I hand you the notes? Yes, our next group of folks. Um, which ones are they? The next oh, heading. This one right here. Yes. So we're going to talk about Lawrence Sigmund Bittaker and Roy Lewis Norris. Better known as? The Toolbox Killers. Dun, dun, dun. And these guys, well, let's see. I, didn't, I hadn't read your notes lately. Um, they were called the Toolbox Killers because the things they used to torture and murder their victims, like pliers, ice picks, sledgehammers, were all normally found in household toolboxes. And I think they kept their stuff in a toolbox in the van. They did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Bittaker and Norris met while incarcerated at the California Men's Colony in 1977. Making the best of buddies in jail or prison or whatever that is. Yes. Mess me up. So, Bittaker, what is that word? Saved. Saved. Sorry. Y'all know my reading skills. <laughs> I got to keep it real, right? Yeah. And, and mostly because I can't see. Um, Bittaker saved Norris from being attacked by another inmate. Not once, but twice. So, he kind of made him his bitch then, right? Um, I think he kind of, like, hey, you owe me, man. Mm-hmm. So... They became close acquaintances, discovering they shared an interest in sexual violence. I thought it was interesting. It always referred to them as close acquaintances. It never said friends. Yeah, um, I don't think they ever considered themselves friends. Just, I guess, business partners. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's kind of like... You go hang out with certain people to do certain things but you're just there to do that certain thing like you're disc golfing folks no no those are <laughs> friends um I was thinking like whorehouses <laughs> you know you go to a brothel so like your fellow whores well, or <laughs> no if you go to a brothel and you're like hey there's Jenny me and Jenny do the nasty but we see Jenny on the street and we're like, ma'am, sir. And you pass each other because you're acquaintances. Y'all not friends. You're not going to stop and talk about church on Sundays. So maybe like if you're a regular at a restaurant and a waitress knows you. Yeah, there you go. Maybe that's a little better. <laughs> a little bit. A little classier. <laughs> it has me way less concerned of who you're whoring around with. I'm not whoring around with nobody. <laughs> Okay, so where did I get to? Whores. No, that's where I was. (laughs) Norris told Bittaker that his biggest stimulation is seeing frightened young women. It's weird to me. It's what gets his rocks off. Yeah, it's kind of strange. Bittaker said if he ever raped a woman, he would kill her 
to see this wait so there wouldn't be any witnesses and i think he he said that because norris had actually been convicted of a rape right and he left the woman alive right so that won't happen again yeah he's like oh you stupid you should just kill the bitch fool me once so Bittaker was released on October fifteenth, nineteen seventy eight. Oh, you skipped stuff. Did I? Yeah. Oh, I am so sorry. You skipped good stuff. Yes. I did. I moved my finger now. Sorry. They had begun planning assaults and murders. And uh, yeah. Sorry again. They had been planning assaults and murders of teenage girls once they were released. This evolved into a plan to meet up after they were both released and murder one teenage girl of each age, 13 through 19. So they had a goal. Their their goal goal setting? It was was a plan. They they had a plan that's getting ready to work a plan. Yeah, but they're wanting to, like, complete a set. Yeah, collect all the Pokemon. Yeah, gotta collect them all. That's all. (laughs) So... Bittaker was released on October 15, 1978, and Norse was released three months later on January 15, 1979. They met up in late February and began talking about their plan. They purchased a silver 1977 GMC cargo van in February 1979. It was windowless on the sides and had a large passenger side sliding door. They nicknamed it Murder Mac. And I'm betting this is where we get the free candy van images from. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's a trip. Um, from February through June 1979, Bittaker and Norris picked up over 20 female hitchhikers as practice runs. So they wanted to see if they could actually get women in the car. Yeah. They didn't kill those. No. Lucinda Lynn Schaefer was the first victim. She was 16 years old. And this happened on June 24th, 1979. Norris pulled her into the van while Bittaker Blared. blared the radio to cover her screams while Norris bound her. I got to turn the page. Yeah, you're not going to like how the sentence carries over. (laughs) Turn the page. Bob Seger or Metallica? Do everything turn, turn, turn. No. Was not an option. I said Bob Seger (laughs) or Metallica. I went a different route. You're so close to being fired. Read the sentence. Okay. Oh. Do I gotta go back and read all that again? So no, no he, he he Norris bound, bound her, her arms and legs and gagged her with duct tape because duct tape is good for everything. <laughs> Bittaker later recounted that Schaefer displayed a magnificent state of self-control and composed acceptance of the conditions of she had no control and she shed no tears offered no resistance, and expressed no regret 
No great. Oh, no great. I'm sorry. No great concern for her safety. I guess she knew that it was coming. So he was proud of how well she took her killing. Yeah, I think that'd be tough. I mean, kudos for her for not giving him the satisfaction of showing the fear. Yeah. So. Wow. But they... They were a little easier on her than they were on later people, too. Oh, yes. So. Yes, yes. Norris and Bideker both took turns raping Schaefer while the other went for a walk. Bideker and Morris later arranged... Argued. Argued. Like arranged to me. <laughs> argued that the other was the one... Arguing. Arguing that they should kill her. So that made no sense in my mind. Well, they were each saying like no, that the other me. one was like, no, it was the opposite. Like they each were saying, I wanted to let her live, but he said we had to kill her. Oh, uh, so this is what they were saying on this thing. Yeah. Okay. Context clues. So Schaefer pleaded for a second to pray before they killed her. They didn't let her. Mm-hmm. She just wanted a second. Norris tried to manually strangle her. After 45 seconds, he became bothered by the look in her eyes and ran to the front of the van, vomiting. He wasn't really a good killer. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> it seems like it'd take longer than 45 seconds. It did. He gave up and went up to vomit. He was trying to strangle her and only got 45 seconds okay. in. gotcha, gotcha. And the look in her eyes was freaking him out and made him sick. So, Bittaker then manually strangled her until she collapsed and, ba- and began convulsing. He then twisted a wire coat hanger around her neck and tightened it with vice grips until she was still. So basically, like, twisted it until it got tight. Yeah. So they wrapped her in plastic, in a plastic shower curtain, and then threw her over the side of a canyon where Bittaker said the animals would eat the body, leaving no evidence. And animals probably would get to it a little bit, but I don't know about leaving no evidence. I mean, well, especially if you wrapped her in a plastic shower curtain. That's evidence right there. Yeah. That's true. They're not going to eat the shower curtain. It's also in a canyon where the coyotes are running, and the coyotes are going to get to it and eat it and disperse the bones, and nature's going to start to consume the body again. Right. So there, you want me to take the next victim? Yes. So the next victim was Andrea Joy Hall, and this happened on July 8th, 1979. So that's about, what, two weeks later, three weeks later? Roughly. Andrea was 18 years old. Bittaker raped her twice, and Norris raped her once. While Bittaker was raping her the second time, Norris thought he saw headlights approaching. So they took her further up the mountain, and they made her walk up the mountain naked. Wow. Bittaker then forced her to perform oral sex on him and pose for Polaroids. 
Which for you youngsters out there, that's like those, what are they called? Instamax cameras? Yes. <laughs> um, Norris left and went to a store to buy alcohol. When he returned, Bittaker was alone and had Polaroids of Hall begging for her life. So I guess he decided to just finish her off while he was going to get the booze. Right. Bittaker told Hall he was going to kill her and had her try to give him reasons not to before driving an ice pick through her ear into her brain. That's awful. He then turned her over and thrust the ice pick in the other ear, stomping on it until the handle broke. He then strangled her and threw her body off a cliff. So we can see he's getting a little more sicko yeah. with the second one. Yeah. Um, you know, it's definitely an escalation. It's a quick escalation. Very quick. I mean, <laughs> that was... And, and I wondered, I guess they're really just multiple murderers. Because they did all this in... A month? A couple months. Yeah. I forget. Three months. Oh, my phone's doing stupid stuff. I just lost my place. Um, it was over five months. Five girls in five months. So there was no break. There was no, what, the cooling off period or whatever that they call it. Right. So they, I don't think there was a sexual gratification of the killings. They raped them and, yeah, yeah got off on it. They yeah, There definitely was. I don't think so. Not the killing part. I don't know that the killing part has to be what they get the sexual gratification from. I think it's just the whole process. Oh, maybe so. But anyways, they didn't have a break. So that was just going to kill, kill, kill. Um, so we got two more headings. Do you want to take this one and I'll take the next one? That'd be great. And I'm going to talk about Jackie Doris Gillum and Jacqueline Lee Lamp. Correct? Lamp? Leah Lamp, yeah. Yeah. So, on September 3rd, 1979, the girls were waiting at a bus stop. Bittaker and Norse offered them a ride, which they accepted. Once in the van, they gave them some marijuana, and Lamp was 13 years old, and Gillum was 15. So, we got youngsters this time. Yeah. The girls began to protest when they realized they were driving the wrong way and Norris hit Lamp on the back on the back of the head with a uh, bag of lead weights and then bound and gagged Gillum. The girls were held captive for almost two days. And that's different on this one than the other one. So they didn't hold hostages or anything any of the other time. So Right. They forced the girls to pose for pornographic pictures, and the first of three times Bittaker raped Gillum and created a tape recording of it telling her to pretend she was his cousin and to feel free to express her pain. That's all kinds of messed up. That's like eight different kinds of messed up. Right. So. So he was making a little jerk off tape for later. Right. But he 
He claimed he buried the tape. He Yeah, he claimed he buried the tape in a cemetery, and it was never found. Bittaker tortured Gillum by stabbing her in the breast with an ice pick and using vice grips to tear off part of her nipple. This is where they start getting the tools involved a little more. Yeah. Gillum was killed by being struck in each ear with the ice pick and then strangled. Similar to the last girl, I'm guessing. Hmm? Bittaker then forced Lamp out of the van, shouting, You want to stay a virgin? Now you can die a virgin. Norris struck Lamp in the head and it, and with a... Oh, wow. And with a... He, God bless a milk cow. <laughs> my, my eyes are going faster than my brain. So let me just start over with... Norris struck Lamp in the head with a sledgehammer. Bittaker then strangled her until he thought she died. When Lamp opened her eyes, Norris bludgeoned her again as Bittaker strangled her. So this was a tough little cookie. Yeah, she was kind of determined. Yeah. She gave all the fight she had, but you notice they didn't rape her. No, they didn't. And she was, wasn't she the 13-year-old? Uh, let me go back and look. Uh, yes, she was. So maybe they had some standards. <laughs> maybe. Or, or a conscience. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, but she was also the one that kind of gave it back to him and, and fought him a little bit. Like, she was sassing him and... Right. Giving them a hard time. The the other girl kind of just tried to do what they wanted to make them stop. So then we have our, our last victim, Shirley Lynette Ledford. She was 16 years old. And I don't know why they repeated an age other than they really weren't going for that. They were just killing girls. This happened on October 31st, 1979. She was hitchhiking home from a party. I'm sure a Halloween party. And remember, hitchhiking was kind of a thing back then. So it wasn't like now where you're like, hitchhiking. She was asking for it. Right. Stranger nature. Yeah. Um, She actually recognized Bittaker from the restaurant where she worked as a waitress. Kind of like what we were talking earlier. They were acquaintances. Yep. Bittaker and Norris used a tape recorder to record as Ledford was tortured and raped. They encouraged her repeatedly to scream. Bittaker struck Ledford with a hammer, and that's a sledgehammer. I'm guessing one of the little sledges. Yeah. Beat her breasts with his fists, raped and sodomized her, and tortured her with pliers, which he inserted in her vagina and rectum, tearing the tissue inside. So he was getting them up in there and grabbing stuff. Like, he wasn't just... Yeah. Raping her with him. When it was Norris's turn, he struck Ledford in the left elbow with a sledgehammer. She basically screamed out like, you you broke it. You broke my arm. And then he hit her 25, 25 more times on the same elbow. It had to have just been like mush. Yeah. By that point. Norris later commented that actresses in horror films can't scream convincingly like something vile and heinous is happening. He referenced Ledford screaming on the recording and said, if you heard it, there is no way you wouldn't cry and tremble. 
that's crazy. Yeah. Mm. After two hours of rape and torture, Norris killed Ledford by strangling her with a wire coat hanger, which he tightened with pliers. They dumped her body on a random lawn to see the reaction from the press, and she was found by a jogger the next morning. Now, I think I even remember, too, um, on the tape, because they found this tape, and this, I think I discussed that a little bit more later, but um, by the time they go to kill her, she's begging them, right? please just kill me, right. kill me, do it, and... I mean, she's got a arm that's been bludgeoned by a sledgehammer till it's nothing, nothing, and been raped and bleeding everywhere. I mean, yeah, I'd be begging to be dead too. So we said this was their final victim. So that means they must have stopped for some reason. In November 1979, so that happened on Halloween. So the next month. Norris became reacquainted with Joseph Jackson, who he knew from the California men's colony. Norris confided in him about the murders in graphic detail. I'm guessing he was bragging to this guy. Right. Like, hey, you went in on some of this action. Guess what we're doing? It's great. Yeah. Well, Jackson, I'm guessing, was still on probation. He consulted his attorney, who advised him to inform the police. Good, good advice there. Yes. Solid. <laughs> Very solid. Um, when Bittaker's apartment was searched, police found Polaroids of Hall and Gilliam. In Bittaker's van, police found a sledgehammer, a plastic bag filled with lead weights, a book describing how to locate police radio frequencies, a jar of Vaseline, two necklaces later identified as belonging to victims, in the tape recording of Ledford's torture and murder. So, he left the tape in the van. Probably listened to it while driving. Probably. Just reminiscing. and Or just had it playing and... Because they put a bed in the back of the van. Right. So, he may have stayed back there doing things and listening to the tape, too. Mm-hmm. Reliving it. In February of 1980, Norris and Bittaker were formally charged with the murders of five of the five girls. Norris accepted a plea bargain to testify against Bittaker in return for the prosecution not seeking the death penalty against him. On May 7, 1980, Norris was sentenced to 45 years to life, and he was eligible for parole in 2010. But when his parole hearing came up, he didn't go. I don't know if he didn't feel worthy, if he didn't feel like he could live on the outside, if he didn't want to, I don't know, but he didn't go, so he automatically was denied parole. Right. Uh, I mean, good for him? Yeah. Kept a killer off the streets. On April 24th, 1980, Bittaker was arraigned on 29 charges. When the judge asked how he pleaded, Bittaker remained silent. So the judge entered a not guilty plea on his behalf. When I read that at first, I'm like, we'll just enter a guilty plea. Easy. Done. Right. <laughs> but I'm guessing they can't. If they don't say anything, it's probably an assumed not guilty. Until innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. But I was like, well, if he's not going to say anything and you can just enter a plea on his behalf, just do guilty and then you're done. 
So, um, of course, we had Norris that testified. And, of course, you got that Jackson guy who Norris had confessed everything to, basically. Yep. But the most damning evidence at Bittaker's trial was a 17-minute section of the audio tape of Ledford's torture. So, I'm, I don't know if they recorded start to finish of the whole two hours, but they played 17 minutes of it for the jury in the courtroom. Huh. There were more than 100 people present as the tape was played. Many in the jury and audience openly wept while listening. Bittaker was undisturbed and smiled as it played. And we're talking about, I mean, his buddy Norris had said, there's no way you can listen to this and not cry. Like, it is that disturbing. You can tell the sheer terror in her as she screams on this tape. The jury deliberated for three days before finding Bittaker guilty. At sentencing, the jury only deliberated 90 minutes before sentencing him to death. But, through all his appeals and all that fun stuff that he went through, and I think I actually read a thing saying he was filing frivolous lawsuits to delay stuff. Right. Like, to the point where he was no longer allowed to file a lawsuit without the approval of somebody. Without the approval of a judge. Yeah. He had, it had to go before a judge before he could file anything. Because he was filing stuff like, this is inhumane treatment because they're feeding me applesauce in the cafeteria and I don't like applesauce. Right. <laughs> Sounds like somebody I know. <laughs> so that, like, that extent of him delaying yeah. everything. So he ended up Dying December 13th, 2019. Last year? Mm-hmm. Wow. What, and just, he just died? He just died December 13th, 2019. No, I mean, he just died. Oh, yeah, he died. He was not put to death. Oh. He just died. Well, that sucks. So, we spent a lot of money feeding and clothing him for most of his life in prison. Yep. Just so he could die. Yeah guess I'm not keeping any secrets as to what my opinion on that is, huh? Express lane. <laughs> now, Norris, oddly enough, you remember um, when they were in prison together the first time, Bittaker was released, and then three months later, Norris was released. Right. Well, Bittaker died December 13th, 2019. Uh-huh. Norris died in prison February 24th, 2020. Three months later. Almost three months later. Mm. Kind of weird. But also very weird to me, like, I mean, I, I know 1979 wasn't that long ago, but I guess connecting killers. It was 40 years what? ago. I know. That's a long time. Yeah, and for people who were already grown and murdering people and in prison, like, for them to have just died, like, that kind of surprised me. Yeah, it puts them in their, well, not necessarily, I mean. They, how old were they? Um. Well, I when put their released. birth and and dates in there. Let's say forty. Um. Bittaker was like seventy nine. So, his first trip to prison, he was probably eighteen, nineteen, mm-hmm. twenty. And, and Norris was like seventy, seventy one, something like that. So, they were twenty years old. I mean, when I was. Born, yeah. pretty much. 
But they, um, yeah, yeah. It just—I don't know. To me, it just seemed weird reading about these crimes, and and I did not realize that they so recently died when I was researching. And I thought this was like a, yeah, I thought they a long ago thing. In right, yeah, no, they still were kicking up until a couple months ago. Yeah, and that's you know. It was in the 70s, everything was so different than well, the 70s and 80s. And I don't remember much of the, I remember the 80s pretty good. but I, think in, I just remember cartoons in the 80s. In 80, I was three. So, yeah. But, I mean, we had just come out of that, like, free love, peace, you know, like, yeah, and then into the partying of the seventies, and Vietnam had mostly ended. Yeah, so hitchhiking that wasn't that was still going on. Yeah, you know, drugs were rampant. Yeah, really on the uprising. Um, but I think, and and from everything I read, it sounds like I don't know that Norris would have done this on his own. Norris was mostly in it for the rape. Right. But when it came to the killing and torturing, that was almost always Bitteker. Yeah. And he's the one that took her off by herself while Norris was going to get right. some drinks. And Norris is the one that threw up the first time he was trying to strangle her. So now, he, he did end up, like, torturing some. I mean, he's the one that hit the girl with the hammer. In the elbow. In the he, elbow. Did he actually ever kill anybody? He helped he helped. Yeah, but. like um, the one girl I think he was hitting with the sledgehammer and Bitteker was strangling or vice versa. So, like, they would do it together, but he never single-handedly right. did it. Right. Um, and then, I mean, he may have told that other guy because maybe he was looking to get caught. Like, he didn't want to keep doing it. Right. Because he said, too, he was the one that said you can't listen to this tape and not be sick. Right. So, I mean... So, that shows that he had some type of empathy, I guess. Yeah, I think I think he just, I mean, once you get in something like that with somebody. It's kind of hard to get out. Yeah, because, I mean, he'll just kill you because you know too much. Because mm-hmm. you don't leave witnesses. Yeah, and he got off on raping girls, so he liked that part. So he probably just focused on that part and not on the other part. Yeah, but still. Because Bitteker, I mean, I'm glad that Norris said something when he did and they got caught because Bitteker was going off the deep end. Yeah, he he was uh, evolving quick. Yeah, and I mean, the, he was becoming very comfortable with very horrible torture. Yeah. And I guess we should just be glad that video cameras weren't common back then. Amen. And I'm not sure if you can find the audio recording on the interweb. I'm sure I, you can if you dig hard enough. Maybe but. like on that, like, what's it called? Like the the dark web or whatever but i couldn't find it i I did briefly look i didn't dig too hard yeah i found one clip that was it sounded like somebody who was maybe in the courtroom recorded while they were playing it and it was only like a 10 or 15 second clip and it was just her screaming right it wasn't her saying anything or so you know what really to be able to verify that it was her even i bet you um Sword and scale, probably if they covered this, mm-hmm. they probably found it. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I, 
I don't know. Once they said there was a tape, I'm one of those sickos that just has to be like, okay, well, I'm going to hate it and it's going to make me sick, but I got to hear it. (laughs) Let's see. Uh, I can be just fine not hearing it. Well, I I heard the few seconds of screaming that may or may not have been the tape, and I'm good with it because it was disturbing. Well, you know, we both come from different sides, so. Yeah. But, yeah, so there's some murder for the week. Yep. Um, There's a little bit of true crime for you. Yeah, I think our um, true crime and murder tends to... Appease the best? Beef up the listens a little better than our spooky stuff, but... Yeah. We like the spooky stuff, so we're going to keep switching it up on y'all. Yeah, exactly. Um, And as Leslie Pierce says, it's my show. I can do what I want. Yeah, I mean, we might be sitting here naked. Y'all don't know. Absolutely. (laughs) Not it's too cold in here. It is not cold. I'm actually bundled up in extra clothes with a blanket. (laughs) Crazy. And it's only 66 degrees in here. (laughs) But I'm by the vent. It's blocked by the clothes hamper. Because I was cold. It needs to be emptied. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) So how about some housekeeping? Let's do some housekeeping. Housekeeping. Did I put that on a button? No. Okay, I did. I still got to talk it. So our wonderful intro and outro music that is so calm and soothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Calm and soothing. You go right to sleep listening to it. Um, It's by House of Curses. Great local band. Yep. You can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Yes, you, you can. You can comment on things like crazy, because nobody does. <laughs> We've had a few comments. I appreciate them. I yes. get excited when we get one. And exactly. We actually get excited when somebody likes our page that doesn't know us. Yeah, that's really cool. Because it's like, <laughs> how did they find out? It's someone we aren't acquainted with. Right. And they're listening to us. Haven't checked up on France in a minute. They still listening? Uh, haven't checked either. They never did tell us who they were. Nope. We probably scared them away. Probably so. So if you want us to stalk you, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at WTF Was That Pod. And wait a second. I have to do a legal disclaimer. <laughs> Stalking is only illegal if they do not like it. Yeah. So if you choose to like our Facebook page to be stalked, then that is consent. Yes. All right. <laughs> disclaimer over <laughs> you can email us at wtfwtpodcast at gmail.com you know we're always looking for story ideas um you know tell us do you like the spooky stuff do you like the true crime i tend to when i pick the true crime tend to look for the most shocking goriest nastiest stuff because i feel like that's got the shock factor and is more interesting so i don't know if y'all like that give us some feedback maybe y'all don't want me to get so gross with this stuff i think they want us to drink while we do this we should do that but we can't do it on a wednesday night then why because i gotta work the next day and get up take kids to school and I shit i didn't say get drunk i just said drink yeah we should do a drunken show though oh god that'd be fun it would be something Y'all would love me then. Um, I might be naked then. Yeah, so. You might be on the floor with your pants off. Let's keep on (laughs) keeping on. (laughs) So, anything else that you want to share with our our lovely listeners and even the ones that aren't lovely? 
Um, they're all <laughs> lovely, at least to me. The ones that I can see are amazing. Gorgeous. Y'all yes. are all beautiful. Right. So, um... I'm going to give a little plug to some friends. Yes, let's do that. Let's plug some friends. Um, check out Southern Ghost Girls on Facebook. Uh... Go to some tours that they do. They they are coming up on what they call it Paranormal Palooza for October. Yep, yep. there's pretty much uh, at least one showing somewhere in Alabama or Georgia every weekend. Every weekend in October of October, right? Um, we're doing a two day event in October second. Yes, October second and third, we're going to be in Jasper, Georgia, with them. Um, they have announced that on the Facebook, so I'm assuming we can talk about it now. Yeah. Um. If you go out to that one, you will see our lovely faces guiding the tours. Yep, I will be wearing a kilt. He will be wearing a kilt, which I do so well. You by should the way. buy a ticket and come see him wear a kilt. Yep. Um, we will also be helping them with some of the October events. Um, not totally one hundred percent sure on all of them yet, which ones we're doing. But if you want to come watch us and investigate some ghosties with us. Check out the Southern Ghost Girls and get some tickets. And it's actually pretty interesting because um, they supply you with like an EMF meter and some dowsing rods. And they set up rim pods and all kinds of nifty little tools. I think they whipped out the old, um, um, oh my gosh, what is it called? It's that infrared camera. It's an infrared camera, but it's, I forgot what it's called. It's. I don't know. I never knew. It was pretty cool. Um, The Lowry house that we discussed a few episodes back. Yeah, we're going to do, we should be at that one. They're going to be back there in October. So if you liked that episode and that's the one that I posted where you can see the face in the window. Yeah. Um, So if you want to go see that for yourself and maybe take a picture of Ann checking you out from the window, you can do that. Um, They do, of course, adhere to social distancing if you go in a building you've got to wear a mask yeah all it's that stuff that it, it yeah it's not um yeah the indoor ones are way better <laughs> uh, we almost it's also going to be in october so yeah. it should be starting to cool off but it is alabama we almost died a few times in some of the summertime ones yeah that was pretty rough that were outside especially the last one it was oof. yeah it was like 100 percent humidity i was gonna say 300 it was walking through water <laughs> yeah it was, it was pretty bad um, in about 200 degrees. Yeah. So that, that's the Southern Ghost Girls. Yeah. And um, got anybody you need to plug? Uh, not really. I mean, any disc golfing things coming up that you need to push? Nope. I have nothing on the schedule for the rest of the year. Oh, my rating went up. I, I went up uh, 38 points. Oh, yeah. We did talk about that on the show. So Yeah. So I'm no longer a 756. Right. You're like 788. So you went up a good bit. You're, I, I did. You're, you're pushing close to that 800, I'm, uh, which yeah. bumps you up a class, Eight, right? 850. Oh, okay. So you got away still. Yeah. You're good. I'm good. We're novice forever. No, I ain't going to be a novice forever. <laughs> um, as soon as I can get my form and my technique down a little better to where I can, if I can consistently and accurately throw 320 foot, I will bump up to wreck. And then not get attacked by wildlife. Yes. Um, people, I am not scared of a whole lot of things, and it takes a lot to scare me. 
He's scared of horses. I, I'm definitely scared of horses. I uh, got kicked in the head when I was little, so legit reason. But just, I mean, to be attacked out of nowhere by horn or yellow, yellow jackets, jackets un- unknowing is. I I went and played the same course today, and on that hole that I got attacked on, I was like, "Yeah, I don't know about this. I I think I'm just gonna." walk on by and just yeah, not. He, he almost didn't even go play yeah it. i was not going to go play but I, I think it's good you did i think it's like the getting back on the horse thing which you also don't like yeah. horses and the thing <laughs> is, is i have to go play because this is my local course right um and it's five minutes up the road do yellow jackets die in winter uh i know they die in fire so we'll just set the whole course on fire uh, or at least anything it's a hole in the ground gets a little bit of flame shot in it hence the flame fur yes or how about so, a can of hairspray and a lighter? Um, I'm down. <laughs> but, you know, I think other than that, and we just hit an hour. We so. did. That's a good show. I took it lots is. of good notes and thought I, it was going to be like a two-hour show. And I took some wonderful notes as well. And just and breezed right through them. I was expecting about an hour. <laughs> well, where's your notes? We didn't read oh, them yet. They're right here in this notebook in front of me. Uh, in my handwriting? Well, you must have copied my notes for me. Thank you. <laughs> You're so sweet. <laughs> Did you even know what we were talking about before tonight? I did. Because I told you that I already knew about it. And you're like, oh, shit. Do you know about everything? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I, I keep thinking I'm picking topics that haven't already been covered on other podcasts. But he gets a lot more podcast listening in during the day at work than I do. Yeah, about eight hours worth. And so he's listened to a lot more paranormal and true crime stuff than uh-huh. me. And apparently I've not hit one yet that hasn't already been yeah. <laughs> discussed on another show. I, lis- I listen to a lot. Um but now I'm starting audiobooks. Yes. Um, if people will quit talking to me at work, I will start audiobooks better. But I'm listening know. to an audiobook about Charles Manson right now. Yep. That was sure the, the first thing I downloaded because I'm a freak like that. So. I'm like, oh, there's serial killers on here. Purchase. It was free. But I bought Audible so oh, yeah. that I could listen. Yeah. you. Well, we got a 30-day free trial. Yeah, but you know I'm going to keep it. At least for a little bit. You still haven't used our credit. I know, because I don't want to yet. <laughs> Can we refer friends and get extra credits? I don't know, because um, I hate that it's only going to be 12 credits a year. That's the shitty part. But I told you, I think there's ways you buy extra, and I'm there's sure free there books. and Yeah. So, hey, we are not sponsored by Audible <laughs> either. Um, if anybody has connections at Audible and they would like to sponsor us, we are down. We're fine with free credits as being sponsored. <laughs> Absolutely. That would be amazing, and I will give you a shout-out or a plug. Just like this. <laughs> at the beginning or possibly in the middle and at the end. We'll just be in the middle of talking about something and be like, Audible. <laughs> exactly. So and no context. Just, that's it. just Audible. Audible. <laughs> So, there you are. All right, we're two minutes over the hour Yeah, mark. let's hit the button. All right, hitting the button. 